writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the Right Pack. In this episode, Right Pack Radio is going to celebrate Chinese author Lin Yitang and writing The Scamp. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, producer, David Allen Lucas, author, well, author of Crazy Things, um, martial arts instructor, and busy running Right Pack Radio's podcasting network, getting things geared up for the October 9th launch of the new show, Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy, and then starting December 31 will be Motivation Creation. Stay tuned to our um, Facebook page and so forth for more information on that. With me today, back, is my lovely co-host. Hello, I'm Kathleen Kayembe. I write uh, speculative fiction under my own name. You can find my stories in Lightspeed and Nightmare Magazines. And in uh, The Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy 2018, edited by N.K. Jemison, which I can finally announce is a thing that I'm going to be in. So, yay. Um, yeah, and I also write romance underpinning Kaseka and Vita. And for those who are spelling challenged, because I know that that is a Congolese name. But... Yeah, for those of you who aren't Congolese, it's K-A-S-E-K-A space N-V-I-T-A. Excellent. Also with me today is my lovely wife. Hi, I'm Melanie Lucas. At some point I'll get back to writing my fantasy novel. Um, At some point we'll know what's going on with our health. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doctor appointment tomorrow. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. It's only been, what, six weeks? <laughs> yeah. And also with us is the Madame of Murder and Mayhem. Fedora Amos. I write Victorian whodunits like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis and Mayhem at Buffalo Bill's Wild West. Coming soon from Five Star is Have Your Ticket Punched by Frank James. He was the smarter of the James brothers, <laughs> yeah. in case you don't know that. You can see me next Saturday. I'm going to be at the Central West End Book Fest, manning, or I should say sistering, <laughs> sisters in crime tent, and we have something very special for the first 50 people who show up. So come out and see us in the booth for Sisters in Crime, Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime, of which I am president. And one more thing, on the following Saturday, I'm going to be at the Crondelet Library. I've been invited to be one of eight mystery authors who are going to, like, speed date at the tables around the place. I think they have just a very few tickets left. You could still get them, perhaps, by calling the Crondelet Library and asking for Jennifer. There you go. Hold on. I have a question, though. Yeah. So... Whatever door prize you're giving the first 50 people, mm -hmm. will it help them commit a crime? No. <sighs> Sorry. I'm so excited. If you need to learn how to commit a crime, we can talk after we're <laughs> all fine. Things you don't hear on Right Path Radio. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a self-styled expert on poison, so I could give you some advice. I loved your talk on poison. Ah, oh, thank you. And also with us today is, I guess I promote you to high last so I'll keep you up there. Lord High Admiral of the Sky Pirates for Steampunk. I'm a pirate. I'll take it. I like it. I like being a pirate. Yes, I'm Brad R. Cook. I am the author of uh, many a steampunk thing, like the Iron Chronicles and the Eridranium Adventures. And, uh, yeah, you can find uh, all that kind of stuff and more at bradrcook.com. And in uh, light of our topic, I will start us off with a nice quote. The wise man reads both books and life itself. Very good. Anyway. I love it. Um, before we get going on the topic, though, sorry, um, there are going to be several people who are several members of the Right Pack who will be at PenCon in St. Louis um, September 20th through the 22nd. If you are interested in going and picking up books, by the way, this is a huge book fair that you can attend here in St. Louis, and there is money that goes to a great... Um, 
Charity, whose mind, whose name just it's, literally went out the door. Action autism. for autism. Yeah. Thank you. Action for autism. I knew it was autism. But I just couldn't think of what it was. Action for autism. Um, go in Google, Pend, P E N N E D, space con, two thousand eighteen, and you can go and get tickets there. Tickets are probably also already on sale for next year. All right. With that said, today um, we are going to talk about. A Chinese author who did come to America in the 1930s after being requested by his friend Pearl S. Buck to come here multiple times and move out of China. He is a man of his time. He was born October 10th, 1895, died March 26, 1976. I am pausing to say his name because if I butcher this, I apologize. I know how Chinese. Um, is very dangerous to say. When I studied Chinese, um, Mandarin, I should say, my instructor gave a perfect example, and I'm going to use it here. Tadama, 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 and Tadama. One means absolutely nothing. One is salt, one is boot, and the other one is a curse word. I'm not going to tell you which one. But this gentleman's name is Lin Yitang. I'm probably mispronouncing that. We in English just say Lin Yitan. Um, he, he was a translator, a Chinese writer, a linguist, a philosopher, and an inventor. Um, one of the things he invented was the, basically a, like, electro, uh, an early version of electronic Chinese typewriter, which America, which he, had, which he patented here in the United States, and America used during the Cold War to help translate what the Chinese communists were doing. Lin had a philosophy, and well, he had multiple philosophies, but in a book he wrote back in the 1930s called, sorry, The Importance of Living, he talked about the importance of a scamp. If you read his books, his fiction books, like Juniper Loa, Moment in Peking, and many others, you will see a lot of his philosophy employed in it and why he likes the scamp. So before we go on, go further, I'm going to take a moment and define scamp. Because that term can have a lot of different connotations, and I'm going to take it straight from Lin Yitong himself. Quote from his book, Written, I believe it was 1937. In short, my faith in human dignity consists in, in the belief that man is the greatest scamp on earth. Human dignity must be associated with the idea of a scamp, and not that of an obedient, disciplined, and regimented soldier. The scamp is probably the most glorious type of human being. In this present age of threats to democracy and individual liberty, probably only the scamp and the spirit of a scamp alone will save us from becoming lost as a serially numbered units in the masses of disciplined, obedient, regimented, and uniformed coolies. The scamp will be the last and most formidable enemy of dictatorships. He will be the champion of human dignity and individual freedom and will be the last to be conquered. All modern civilization depends entirely upon the scamp. He will eventually go on to explain, though, that really, a lot of times, the scamp appears to be a loafer. Um, he is a wanderer. He wanders through life, learning, loving, and living. He's good-natured. He's kind of a renaissance man. He doesn't want to be a master of anything. He dabbles a little here and a little bit there. He's a connoisseur of nothing. Diliatant extraordinaire. He is earthbound. He keeps his head out of the clouds. Um, I will say, though, if you decide to go into Lin's philosophy any further than what I've gone, and you want to read this book or any of his other books, please note Lin Yitong is a man of his time. As far as some of his attitudes towards the fairer sex, as shall we say. He's Chinese also. So they're, they're, we're talking about a gentleman who was 
who was Chinese, lived from eight from October tenth, eighteen ninety five, till March twenty sixth, nineteen seventy six. The view here in America is a lot different. Please go ahead, Fedora. You said that uh, the scamp is the savior of modern civilization. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'd like to take it way back to ancient civilization. Go for it. To, in fact, some of the very earliest folkloric stories, which became, oddly enough, even though they were from the east, they were from Persia mm -hmm. and that area of the world, became the cornerstone, really, of fiction mm -hmm. throughout all of Europe and throughout the world, for that matter. I'm talking about Scheherazade, Alibaba. You've got to admit that Alibaba was a scamp. Uh -huh. And uh, those stories lived in folklore for a long, long time because we didn't have good means of printing anything until the 1200s. Then the 1200s come along, and there's only religious stuff for a while. But by the mid-1300s, it was time for some secular stories. Now they had morals, sort of, but I'm talking about a seminal work in Western literature, and that is Boccaccio's Decameron. This is a hundred stories, presumably, and the setting in general is people trying to evade the Black Death, the plague, and so they go to a place that's hidden as much as possible in Naples, and there they tell each other stories to pass the time. And many of these stories echo the ancient Persian stories, and they're not, they're not uh, what you'd call totally moralistic. They'll have kind of a moral if you get around to it, but their story, their romances, they are body, they are Pornographic, some of them, they are <laughs> the foundations of modern fiction, of modern romance, of modern mystery, you name it. Thank you, Boccaccio, you wonderful Italian fellow, you. Brett? Yeah, actually, uh, so I agree. Let's keep going into the past, Fedora, uh, with one of my favorite scamps, uh, Diogenes, mm -hmm. um, the little dog. Uh, who is a Greek philosopher who invented cynicism, and I dare you to argue with him that he didn't. Um, but uh, essentially, he lived up all of these principles, and if you want to, I highly recommend going and studying Diogenes. Uh, he's a very interesting character, and if you want, you can totally check out my books, actually, because he's in there, too, uh, and all his interactions with Alexander the Great. Um, so he is a famous cynic uh, who totally kind of you know, embodied this idea of being the antithesis of everything uh, that, or, you know, the antithesis of order. Exactly. Yeah, he, Lynn's um, scamp basically is a laughing philosopher. He, um, I don't want to put this, he basically, it's okay to be wise about Wise about what's practical, but the trick is becoming wise about being foolish as well. Yes. Uh, so, so it sounds right now to me that the scamp is like a mashup of the trickster figure and the fool, but from tarot, not, you know, foolish. Yeah, I would agree. Um, let me throw out a couple. Off mic, we had this conversation before you got to arrive. Um, some examples of the scamp from modern modern literature and films and television. And since we all are around here are nerds, some of these are pretty easy to identify. Um, first one that came to mind was Han Solo. Pure scam. Uh, despite his attempts, uh, James Kirk is not a scamp. He walks that line. He's got too much responsibility to be a scamp. He's tied too much to his ship. Um, however, Scotty? Eh, I could well, argue that one back and forth. Um, also, too, how about, um, yeah, Oliver Queen is not a scamp. I was going to call him a scamp originally, but no. Um, my mind just went blank. If you think about the movies, the three movies of Iron Man, the, ignore the Avengers for a moment and how things evolved in the MCU. Iron Man starts off as a scamp. He eventually doesn't. He eventually evolves out of that, as far as character-wise. 
But if you want to stay in the MCU, Jessica Jones is a perfect scam. Luke Cage, I would say, is a scam. Um, though he's got a lot of responsibility. But he really doesn't. He, he doesn't have any any roles. And let me explain. When I say responsibilities, here's the anti-scam. You're stuck in a day-to-day job, 9 to 5 or more. You are stuck with the exact same schedule, doing the same exact thing. You have to keep your retirement fund up. You've got a house. You've got kids. You've got debt. You've got the lawn. You've got the white picket fence. You're not a scam. Um, I was thinking, not in the Marvel sense, uh-huh. but in the um, mythology sense, would Loki be a scam, or would he be? Oh yeah, Loki would be a scam. That's just because he's a trickster, but yeah, he is really is a scam. Good answer. Good question. I think Kathleen put her finger on something that's very important mm-hmm. about the function of a scam. Look, for example, at Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, two that come to mind are Puck and the Fool in King Lear. Mm-hmm. Both of them give very concise advice and, and a point of view on the actions of others that we are supposed to take away, I think, as being far more sensible than the actions themselves. So I think that uh, having the scamp around just as a filter for uh, getting what the author wants us to realize about the central characters and the central action is a very key thing. Thank you for bringing that up. And before I go to Kathleen, because she's dovetailed as well, there's a quick another set. You made me think of another example, straight from Shakespeare, Falstaff. Henry the Fourth, Henry the Fifth. Go for it. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought up how a scam kind of functions in in stories because I do want to talk a little bit more about that um, because you know we're all writers here. And it's all about writing. So yeah, so I mean, how does a scam typically function in a story? Um, are they a lens through which the reader is supposed to uh, view things as compared to the way the characters and the thing in the story views things like? How do you use a scamp to, how do you make them best function in a story? It's, you can create a scamp both as your main character or as a foil to the main character. That, that, the scamp is going to look at the society that he's in and question it. Kind of like you borrowing from Brad, Diogenes. For lack of a better, for lack of being able to find an honest man in Athens, um, so he's used to used as a foil. If he's, <clears throat> you can have him as a foil to the main character, saying, "Yeah, you're what you're doing is stupid. You're, you're stuck in a rut." Or you can have him as a main character, trying to get through so through society. And not agreeing with society, not seeing seeing society is too much modern day robotic, if you will. And I'm looking at the main character in Juniper Loa by um, Lynn, by Lynn, that I can't remember his name. It starts with an S, and my mind's completely blank. But he, Juniper Loa, he leaves his love, who is, by the way, Juniper Loa, in their hometown to make his fortune in Singapore, and he ends up with three other lovers while in Singapore, and each one, I won't give away the story, but each one is very kind of tragic in aspect, and he doesn't fit into, into the life that his uncle's wanting him to lead in Singapore, and I don't want to give out any more of that story because I'm going to destroy it out there. So... I don't want to ruin it, even though it's been published since somewhere in the 1930s or 40s. I don't want to give anything away. Go ahead. As a main character, a scamp can be very interesting. Did you know that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's brother-in-law also wrote? No. And he wrote, he wrote a series which was kind of the antithesis of Sherlock Holmes. His main character is a gentleman thief named Raffles. And Raffles is kind of funny and kind of silly, but he is a thief, all right. But then he's not your ordinary thief because 
many times he'll give the produce to charities or he'll give it in celebration to Queen Victoria. So he wrote some stories which are, as I said, kind of the opposite of Arthur Conan Doyle's, but they captured the public imagination at the time nearly as much as Doyle's did. Uh -huh. And in fact, there is still today a very wonderful hotel in Hong Kong called Raffles. So I, I've been wondering whether or not to say this, but Robin Hood? Absolutely. Yeah, Robin Hood would definitely be uh, scared. I'm not so sure totally. Robin Hood would count because he he was all, at least some of the versions of Robin Hood, maybe it's Maybe it's a version that I'm thinking of, that he was all about the duty to country and bringing back the rightful king. Well, he did want to do that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the way but he's he still going against the current government. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a rebel, which is a key yeah. element. There, there are many ways he could have gone about what he about going against the government. He he chose one very specific <laughs> one. Right? Yeah, he did. So here's another example, borrowing because as soon as you said Robin Hood, made me think of another character. Fiction, but it is plastered in our culture. Zorro yeah. would be a scamp. Which is almost a direct descendant of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Exactly. Oh, yes, yes. Baroness Orcs. Yes, one of my favorite series. Oh, I love that series. Um, if you haven't read Scarlet Pimpernel, why? You need to. Especially if you claim to be a geek. Because... <laughs> Zorro, Batman, all a lot of those characters can all trace their literary heritage straight back to Scarlet Pimpernel. And with that, moving right back to Scamps. Um, who are some other characters that you can think of that are Scamps? And going back to Kathleen's question, how do they, how does write, what, what's the role of writing the Scamp? We've talked about how is the opposite mirror of society going, yeah, it's not really the way life should be. I'm not a robot here. Zorro, clearly not. What was happening in Zorro's like Zorro's storylines? I'm. Oh, I'm. Good. There seems to be a common thread of chaos to Scans. Like in some ways, they're agents of chaos. They oppose the order of society and the way everything should be, and they kind of throw a wrench into things, whether they mean to or not. I'm going to disagree with that. They are. If you think about. If you think, okay, 1984 by George Orwell, main character, if I remember, I'm trying to remember book versus movies, um, if they break out, but definitely George Lucas's THX 1138, or if you think about Logan's Run, where the main character is in a society that he escapes from, and then comes back and shows, this society is not right, you are right, he's a chaos. Is a, it is a agent of chaos breaking down a machine of society that has gotten very robotic. Go ahead. Brad is anxiously dovetailing, so I'm going to let him jump in. And then I, I, don't, I don't know anxiously, but yes, I am dovetailing in. Sure, anxious. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to, to totally agree with what uh, Kathleen has kind of thrown out there, because uh, to me there is always a sense of mischievousness and... Uh, you know, devilry or something in the sense of a scamp, more so than the, you know, maniacal or the truly, like, uh, you know, like, zero-hearted evil. Uh, there tends to be more of a childlikeishness or a mischievousness is the best word I like, uh, to, a, to a scamp. More so than some of the other bad guys or rebels or people who are fighting the system or, you know, whatever, uh, that that tends to be a thing. That, that the rogue, uh, you know, the mischievous rogue is the same. Dora and Molly? Yes, I certainly agree with that. Most of the, those that you had just mentioned are pretty heavy-handed as characters go, and scamps, scallywags, and scoundrels, I think, have to be kind of charming in one way or another, or they are not nearly as interesting. They're not as fun to be around. While, for example, in Guardians of the Galaxy, I like it because it has a wonderful scamp, the 
Star Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that that imposing kind of name that he can't live up to for a half a second. He tries so hard. He tries <laughs> hard, yes. But that's why he's a lovable scamp, and he's not this totally serious guy who's simply downtrodden and has no alternative but to fight back or die. Those are not scamps, I don't think. No, yeah, I'm going to come back to with back to the door. Go ahead. Well, we've been talking about some pretty serious scamps. Um, I guess it's the hero scamp archetype. There's also the the main character scamp that's the more less serious, more lighthearted scamp. Uh, Dennis the Menace is a scamp. And so, and because I promised Dave, and that was an ironic promise that I would mention it, um, yes, uh, Skittles is a scamp. And for those of you that don't know, Skittles is a cat. He is a wisecracking cat. And no, no one but other animals can understand what Skittles says. And yeah. Is this a TV show of no. which you speak? No, it no. isn't. I wonder. Who's <laughs> gonna say, David? <laughs> <laughs> and is it ever going to be finished, David? I really have no intention of finishing it. It will be finished one day. Okay, I'm going to come back to school here in a second. I will, but I'm going to throw out this one before I forget it. The scamp I was thinking of, back to the hero scamp a little bit, but definitely less lighthearted, is um, Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow. Sorry. But at least you have heard of me. Okay. Um, So Skittles, the first cat on Mars. Um, Yeah. It was a a serial I was writing. 13 chapters in. It's about a third done. (laughs) I am really getting in trouble here. Um, It was a story about a cat who's going to go... Actually, it's not one-third done. It was actually going to be... He was still on Earth at, the, at this point in time. But anyway, set in the future where mankind is actually colonizing Mars. And let's be honest, if we're going to colonize somewhere, we are going to take our furry friends along with us. We're going to want them there eventually. So this cat was going to go to Mars. The entire story is told from Skittles' point of view. And I do have him very cat-like in that and constantly getting into trouble and trying to get out of trouble, including somehow getting into a almost clean room. If you understand that from an engineering point of view, that is where all the dust in that is basically kept out of especially very sensitive equipment. And here you've got a cat running through who is being chased by three guard dogs. But anyway, um, it, was, it was just an idea that came to me. I played with it for a little while, but I did not finish it. And clearly my wife is expecting me to finish it. Anyway, moving on back to the scam. Good wife. <laughs> Go for it. Oh, so Melanie, I, I had not thought of that, but what you said I think is spot on. We've been talking about like hero scams, like a hero scamp archetype. Uh-huh. Archetypal character. Can scamps be villains? Like are there villain scamps that anybody well, knows of? Loki. Yeah. Loki's a scamp, yeah. Both and in the mythology. mythology, especially the mythology version. Yeah, not so much Marvel. He is, he is as well, but definitely mythology. Works. In the mythology, he ends up a villain. Like well, he's back and forth. He is back and forth for the villain and the hero. He walks back. Uh, Pan in Greek mythology would be a scam. Definitely a pan. Definitely a scam. Um, Okay, he's a, he, this guy's a hero. I'm trying to think of the villain. I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. It's in a Mar- It's in the DC universe. Uh, Superman deals with him sometime. You have to say his name. I think backwards. Oh, backwards. Yeah. Ba- Mix flex select. Yeah, you. that's it. That, he's a scamp villain. Yeah. Um, Q. Q from I Star Trek. Oh my gosh, I was literally about to say Q. Yeah. Q oh. is a perfect example of scamp. In the Batman series, there are lots of them. Yeah. The Joker, the Riddler. You, you know. uh, well, <laughs> I think Joker is too malignant to be a scamp. Riddler, I can go with yeah. to some degree. Um, so, but, but you said too malignant to be a scamp. So, like, is there a certain amount of? Uh, is there a lack of concern about villainous 
desires for stamps? Or like, like, do you have to really not care about taking over the world to qualify? No, you can care about caring over the world. I think it's, I think it's the matter of the Joker wants to destroy things. He's so he he wants to cause chaos for destructive like he wants to cause destruction and chaos is his avenue to get there. Whereas a scamp just wants to cause chaos. So I'm not sure Joker's a scamp. Yeah, I'm not sure Joker. I don't is call. A I don't scamp. think him as a scamp. So, like for instance, Q okay. causes yes, a whole lot of chaos, and he can even cause destruction and death. But his heart might be in the right place. I think a scamp's heart needs to be in the right place. Okay, so like that that makes it hard for them. Like they can they can be the villain role in a story, but they themselves don't sound like they're villainous characters. Hmm. No, the. Everybody has to be the hero of their own story. So there's there's some levels that they can be the villain from the hero's point of view, but from their own point of view, they can't be their own villain. I'm sorry, I love Hugh. He's never the villain for me. He's well, just the guy that pops in. No, and I said they chaos. can be. They, and I would say, I would say Hugh's a beautiful example of a scamp in the sense of he is challenging. The society that he is challenging. He's challenging the United Federation plans. Turn around. Humanity is not ready for this. You guys are nothing but barbarics. And th- just thinking about uh, first time we meet him, um, Four Point Station, the very first thing from Star Trek Next Generation. He's always challenging the main character to look at his serious side and laugh at it. All the way up through. I mean, he challenged Cisco. He's got a level of comedy to it. I'm probably not really explaining this very well. But if you think about it, he's looking at Picard, who is very stiff-necked, and going, come on. Be hu- be, you're claiming to be human. This is human. Humanity is supposed to be funny. Keep going. Sorry. And I've got people I know who disagree. I'm really trying to explain the thoughts, and I'm not doing that well. I was going to bring up a character that really does not have any redeeming social values, per se, and is a scamp and is lovable and charming. Take, for example, in Paper Moon, the Ryan Neal character and his daughter both are scamps. They are thieves. They make no bones about doing that for themselves, for their own livelihood during the Great Depression. The redeeming quality there seems to me to be that the people they steal from are much worse than they are. And that I think is a dimension of scamphood too, because it makes it moral by comparison only, not in any other way. And they get their comeuppance too. I'll let you go, but I want to let you know um, I've got another way to explain Q. Go ahead. Uh, So, Fedora, what you just said put me in mind of... uh, the Green Hornet, the uh, specifically the Seth Rogen film Green Hornet, that is kind of an origin story. Uh-huh. Green Hornet, as he is in the radio dramas and the TV show, is is not a scamp, or at least not a scamp anymore. But like um, Seth Rogen's version is definitely a scamp. Like he he goes to like fight crime, but by being a criminal, and he's really not good at it. And he just brings chaos wherever he goes. Uh-huh. He tries real hard, and his heart is definitely in the right place. But he's, oh my goodness, so chaotic, like everything he does. He so, is. yeah. Going back to Q briefly, and then I, there's a quote by Lynn you talk about, I think explains what I was trying to say better. I was going to do the quote, and then I'm going to let you guys move on. Putting human affairs in exact formulas, sidebar, like Federation and Picard does, shows in itself a lack of sense of humor and therefore a lack of wisdom. So through his humor... Go ahead. No, go on. I'll say, Q being the foil for Picard and through doing it in a humorous manner, the show is forcing the wisdom. Go for it. I wanted us to talk a little about a little bit more deeply about characteristics of a scamp because you know you have hero scamps not really any villain scamps that we can come up with that are straight up villains fedora you mentioned they're charming and lovable um david you've mentioned there's there's an element of humor to them which i think is 
also spot on. Like, how do you create a scamp character? Hmm. Okay. okay. You, you have the, the scamp bringing chaos, like that little, like Twain is trying to demonstrate right now. Exactly, yeah. Twain? <laughs> you, 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 hear Twain? Some, you hear some sprinkling, that's one of, my, one of our three cats. He's trying to chew on poor um, Kathleen's bag over there. Well, Apparently he wanted some M&M's. Yes. N- not not, not going to fly. Okay. So. I lost the train of that conversation. I did too. How do you write a scamp character? What characteristics make up a scamp? How do you know you've made one in your story? Well, I think they have to be anti- uh, Authoritarian. Yes. They have to be against the powers that be in some fashion or another, and they have to do it with some degree of intelligence and some degree of humor, so that even if what they're doing in the long run isn't especially moral, it seems more moral than the forces they are attacking. I'm. I'm trying to find an example. Yeah, I'm not so sure about the whole seems more moral. I, I think the I think you could, especially if you're counting the villain scamp, you could say you could make a justification that seems reasonable, at least from your character's point of view, for that morality. Uh, so, for instance, the con man. They could be conning people, but con men have to be at least somewhat simple. Patrick Jane from The Mentalist. Does no one else, did no one else watch The Mentalist? I didn't watch it. I did not watch it. I watched The Mentalist maybe, no, sorry, it wasn't The Mentalist. Sorry, no, my bad. Um, Brad, you got your hand up? Yes. Uh, So, um, in order to write one, I would say go and uh, look at the different types. Uh, But I wanted to throw out some villains. Uh, the biggest one being, as Melanie was just mentioning, the snake oil salesman, uh, from like, you know, any kind of Victorianish novel or whatever. Uh, and then on the other side of that, uh, kind of the, some of the good natured scams, uh, would be somebody like a Sinbad the Sailor, or maybe, uh, some of your imps or fairy type creatures from, uh, myth or legend or such. Uh, and then, uh, oh, I had a really good addition. Oh, How about the dude so, and the dolphin from uh, Uncle Barry Finn? They are definitely scamps yeah. of the villainous quality. I would agree. I think if you're going to do a villain who is a scamp, and they can be evil, like true evil, but there has to be some sort of humoristic, mischievous, chaotic nature to what they're doing that is in some way, not played for humor, but in some way could be, I guess. Uh, the reason I say that is just, um, there's something sort of, not lighthearted to a scam, but, you know. So, would you think the Joker could qualify as a scam then? No, no, not at all. Okay, so no. here. No, the, the the Joker is 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 chaotic. literally the the the, the antithesis of, of Batman. So he is the chaos. Joker is chaos. Yeah, but Joker's chaos is a focused chaos. And there's the the jokes are not played up for jokes. The jokes are played up for horror. Yeah, I agree. And that's I think a very good distinction to make: horror as opposed to comedy. And with that, as we have a pause of thoughts going on here, and what's interesting, while well, the whole time we're talking about that, sadly, there's not a good definition that I can find on Google, find using Google, of how to define a scam. That's kind of weird, considering, as far as characteristics of a character, I'm sure I could find a definition by looking up in dictionary.com. We're talking about characteristics of a scam. If I was to do characters, character characteristics of take any trope, I could find one easily enough. But scamp, oddly, is not. So I would say definitely what Brad said a moment ago of read about, read the scamps that are already out there and use it to help create your scam. So, oh, go on. 
So I think one thing that we've determined as a scamp is that the well, actually, we haven't said this, but we've talked around it. It seems like they have some charisma. They're likable, mm-hmm. or better or worse. Um, usually, but not absolutely always, they're not, their motivations aren't evil. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Take, for example, the sting. In the sting, we yeah. have some scamps, I think, played by Newman and Redford. And what their goal is pretty evil, really. They're getting revenge against a fellow who is a poker player who had done something bad. And maybe a straightforward thing would be simply to shoot him or whatever. But no, they would rather fleece him of what he likes most, money. So the motive isn't really that good. It's a motive of revenge. Interestingly, I said what I said a moment ago, and I found what appears to be a definition. Ask and you shall receive. Yeah, and I can guarantee you from what I'm reading, I, I had to look and see, here we go, it was written by George Parker. The book is called Life's Painter of sorry, Variegated, Variegated Characters in Public and Private Life. And from from the writing, this is clearly a stand-in document. It is time period is somewhere in the seventeen hundreds. Because all I, I have, I've got to read the entire passage to make sure really this fits. But what I'm going to read to you right now definitely fits some some of the characters we've talked about. Scamp, scamp is going upon the highway. A foot scamp is a low fellow that stops you with a bludgeon, cutlass, or knife, and he'll treat you. But the royal scamp is a gentleman highwayman who rides a good horse, seldom robs any people, but those he thinks can very w- can very well afford it, never shoots, cuts, or maims. He goes on to talk about some character named Paul. I'm surprised you haven't brought up one of your favorites ever, the Three Musketeers. Yes, there are. Th- I'm surprised Brad hasn't either. There is a lot. There's um. Okay, Brad, help me out here. Who's the which of the three love to dress up all the like to dress fancy? Was it Parthos? Aramis. Aramis. He's a womanizer. Yes. Yeah, he's a womanizer. Um, he's clearly a scam. Um, also, too, if you look at a lot. See, of, I don't know if I'd say that. I would <laughs> say that Porthos is the scamp because he's the mischievous one. He's the one that's. Uh, usually the, like, especially in the Disney version, uh, I would put up Oliver Platt's character as the scamp of the group. Yeah. As opposed to any of the others. They can all be scamps. Why not? There's, um... They act in consort. Oh, God. Okay, Brad, I'm gonna need your help if you can remember the character's name. Um, the Seven Samurai. There's one character in there who really is just a villager. He's really kind of crude and gruff. He's funny. Uh, okay, I'm going to look it up. I can tell by Brad's Brad, Brad's expression. I can see the character, but I can't think of him. Go ahead to Kathleen, and I'm going to try to look this guy up. Yeah, he's so, the one with the long sword that he carries yes. around, like slung across his shoulder all the time. Does That's he exactly speak softly when he carries his long sword? What's that? Sorry. I said, does he speak softly when he carries his long sword? No, he's not Teddy Roosevelt. He does not, actually. He, he's kind of a loud one. That's a stick. Anyway, but, uh, we are looking for a Roosevelt, so if there's a Roosevelt out there, please let us know. <laughs> so, I was actually going to ask a question um, earlier, but then you brought up the Three Musketeers as scamps, and, and Brad, you were saying, well, not all of them exactly, but, like, as a group, like, their function is that of a scamp in many ways. And, like, the, the team in the TV show Leverage is similar. Yeah. Like, yes. there's not one of them that is that embodies what a scamp is, but as a unit, they do. Mm-hmm. So, like, can scamps be units officially, or is that just a thought I'm going to have in my head? And, you know. Why not? They- scamps often travel in packs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Either in pairs or in small grouplets or something. So you might have something that the group can be a scamp as well. I don't see a problem with it. And it, the character, I hope you mispronounce it, Kikuchio, Kiku Chiyo, uh, yeah, was yeah. a scamp. 
that's the character you were talking about. A humorous, though mercurial and temperamental character who initially claims to be a samurai. Oh, would, oh, would Mercutio also be a scam? Or did he die too fast? Spoiler alert, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, sorry, no, guys. I, I don't... Oh. He was too hot-headed, I think, to be a scam. Yeah. Funny enough. So is there an... I would say that back? the depiction of Mercutio in the Baz Luhrmann, uh, Romeo and Juliet, would be someone you could call a scam. However, in the other version that we watched in English class uh, back when I was in high school and stuff, I would not necessarily say that about Mercutio. So, Fedora, you brought up something that we haven't before. Like, you said Mercutio was too angry. So it sounds like there's an element of uh, an element of chill, an element of being laid back that is common for scamps as well. Like. Mm-hmm. If you're if you have a humorous worldview, like you can't take anything too seriously. So by the same token you can't you, you can't do what Mercutio does I, I by some interpretations. I think you might have hit on one of the essence of scamptum. <laughs> well yeah, I mean like that was the whole point, is that it's kind of mischievous chaos, a devilish, you know, kind of fun. Uh-huh. Uh, I would throw up, and this is probably the best scams that I can think of, because uh, I'm going to try and rack my brain. Uh, Mongo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. I just heard the song. Go yeah, on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. Who are they? Uh, no, I'm, I'm very serious. The, the way they are described in that song, uh, the way that that song kind of lays out the, the character, the fact that they travel together in a pack, and they're always, you never know which one it was, because it's always one or the other. And that kind of is very, very much playing up. For uh, those of us who weren't well aware of what people point, were yes, into, that is from the musical ago. Cats mm-hmm. and the, uh, the 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 musings of T. S. Eliot. Thank you. And the cavity is a scamp too. Ah. Yes, yeah, so I put up the cavity probably uh, as well. Um, I just thought of another <laughs> scamp. At least at the beginning of the TV show, I haven't read the comic, but a Lucifer. Yes, yeah. From the... Uh, from Neil, the Gaiman, Neil, Gaiman, so the, Neil Gaiman, Lucifer, not, TV show and books and stuff. Okay, yes, so, yes, so yes. not the Lucifer as written by Neil Gaiman in the Sandman series, but who he becomes after. Correct. Okay. I haven't but read when it. he leaves hell and goes on vacation. Correct. <laughs> yes. Watching the sunsets. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen the, uh, the TV show or read the, the Lucifer comics, so I was... That's I, I highly recommend the, the TV show is fun, so... I think there's a trope that goes along with Scamp, and now, thanks to thinking about some Samurai, I've been able to find this trope of that character, not of all Scamps, but a lot of times a Scamp for play. And that is, as described by TV tropes, crouching moron, hidden badass. <laughs> and how that is described, he comes across as an idiot and makes stupid mistakes but is still very strong and quite the fierce warrior, and surprisingly insightful about social classes, differences between various groups of people, and so forth. The This more this guy, he, a scamp will sometimes look like a complete moron. Think about Jack Sparrow. If you were to ever see Jack Sparrow in real life, I don't mean any impersonators out there, mm-hmm. if you could actually see the real version of him, you can't tell me you would not think that he was a drunken idiot when you first meet him. Well, he plays that up, though. He does. It's, and that becomes a, it becomes something he hides behind. Q hides behind being a, tr- being a trickster the entire time. And Zaro behind being effeminate. Uh-huh, very much so. Yeah, I, and so did um, the... Scarlet. Scarlet Pimpernel, too. I, I think also there's something else. The I would call it the false scamp. Mm-hmm. So, somebody has been rewatching Andromeda. And so, I have been watching the occasional episode of Andromeda. Mm-hmm. The first couple of seasons, I forget when it changes, but at first, Trance is the scamp. Then you find out she's pretty much a powered-down version of Q. But, um... Okay. I'm not gonna... I, I, you're fine. Keep going. But the, the point is, uh, at first, 
you think she's a scamp, then you find out she has this awesome responsibility and is trying to direct the future of the entire universe, which makes her clearly non-scamp territory. Uh -huh. But she's hiding that, especially at first, behind the scamp mentality, where she's manipulating everybody by pretending to be uh, clueless. Oh, so you can have like a scamp facade to hide definite non-scamp behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say more of a scamp in that series was Harper. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Harper was actually a real scamp. Yeah. But no, but I think Trance was definitely at first played. I think she's a false scamp. She has a, a scamp facade. Yes. Until people figure out what she is. A very cute, fa a very cute, I mean, a very scampish facade. So. Yeah. Um, so those are some good examples of scamps. And I do like the idea of hidden moron, or, or sorry, crouching moron, hidden badass. I very much like that. I'm going to be looking that up the minute this episode ends, just so you know. I'm just going to hand oh, I'll just um, hand you my computer. It, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, uh, Xander, yeah. is probably the scant character. I would kind of go with that. He's not so much hidden badass, but yes. No, but I, I think the whole hidden badass might come into the whole false ba false scamp facade more mm -hmm. than a true scamp. Yeah. So with that... I know we've kind of gone around the drain a few times on that because it is a tough character to define. But I think we have hit all the definitions and all the versions of it. And those who are listening to you are like, I don't know how to build a scamp, how to create this character. Go back where you listen to this episode and pick out some of the characters we've talked about and go read or watch those characters in action and take notes. And with that, tune in next week for yet another interesting topic in the writing industry. Um, please like us on Facebook please share these episodes with your writing friends whether you agree or not and please um, subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to and feel free to leave comments we like comments when we get them so thank you all, take care and have a great week writing, bye bye the new theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate all copyrights remain with her.